This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am currently enjoying. You know, sometimes when I talk on my podcast, I have thoughts where I'm like, I really hope I can cover a certain topic soon and see what the market's going to be thinking about it. Well, today's became that day a little bit more. It's things we're going to be talking about today. Elon Musk countersues Twitter over merger, but details aren't yet public. Google CEO to employees, productivity and focus must improve. Other things we're going to be talking about is Pinterest reported earnings, and they did pretty decent along with Ford stock. Ford stock is probably having its best month since the Great Recession, according to CNBC. And finally, we're going to end on the article that I really want to talk about, which is coal consumption expected to return to its 2013 record levels. With that being said, guys, like I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I have to remind you that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company or stock in general, as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This whole podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and for those who wish to understand what's happening in the news a little bit more, at least from the stock market side of things. With that being said, if I have any stock positions that I need to mention, I'll make sure I cover it in this podcast, even though today I don't believe there will be any talked about. But I need to remind you all, like I said, I'm not a professional advisor. I cannot give you financial advice. Please go talk to your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions about what's happening in the market. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Elon Musk countersues Twitter over merger, but details aren't yet public. Elon Musk countersued Twitter on Friday in testifying the conflict between Tesla CEO and the social networking company he agreed to buy. But the lawsuit is not yet available to the public. It wasn't clear why Musk asked the court to keep details of his countersuits confidential when the billionaire, who's also the CEO of SpaceX, has been vocally critical of t- Twitter on social media and the press interviews in recent months. On Monday, on April 25th, 2022, Twitter and Musk announced Musk would buy the social media network and take it private for about $44 billion. Shortly after Musk struck the $44 billion deal, a market downturn led to the decline in tech stocks, including both Tesla and Twitter. Soon after they signed the deal, Musk accused Twitter of lying about the number of spam and bot accounts on its platform and denying him access to information about their handling of these accounts. Musk formally said he wanted to terminate the deal earlier this month, and Twitter sued him in the Delaware Court of Chancery to force him to go through with the deal. Musk's legal team filed a confidential countersuit in the Delaware Court on Friday, which means a copy was not yet available to the public immediately, but as versions of it could be made public in the near future with sensitive details redacted. The judge ruling in the case, Chancellor Kathleen St. J. McCormick, on Thursday night issued an order that set the schedule, including for a five-day trial, to start on October 17th. I still think at the end of the day, Elon's going to end up buying Twitter. I really do. But I don't think he's going to be buying it for the $44 billion we originally think or had heard when the deal had happened. Because I have a feeling that Twitter purposely went through with this deal as quickly as possible because Twitter was probably struggling. Okay. Twitter for a long time, I think if I remember correctly, they were making money, but they weren't making a lot of money. I mean, I think they denied a lot of political ads that that politicians wanted to throw up there for a while. 
And I don't get why Twitter was doing that. I think I've mentioned that in past podcasts where there was something we had read, or at least I had heard another news report saying that they had denied advertising for political candidates. I mean, why a company would deny money to for their company to make money, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But Twitter just did what it had to do, and they just didn't want to do ads during that time. But I think Elon's going to still end up buying the company at the end of the day. For $44 billion, probably not as much, but we're going to find out real soon. And these court dates are going to make things interesting too, because will Twitter finally have to admit that they didn't want to submit the information to Elon because they realized they were losing money. I also want to know how Wall Street's going to react to Twitter on the day of these trials. In all honesty, I wonder if Twitter stock's going to take a hit. Or maybe it doesn't. It's hard to tell. But I am curious to know how Wall Street's going to react when this loss, when this court case does happen in October. So we need to keep an eye out for that and see what happens, but we'll keep reporting as much as we can when it comes out. But speaking of companies that are somewhat struggling, Google CEO tells employees productivity and focus must improve. Launches simplicity spirit to gather employee feedback on efficiency. Okay, Google is launching, launching a new effort called Simplicity Spirit in an effort to improve efficiency and improve employee focus during an uncertain economic environment. The Alphabet company had its regular all-hands meeting out last Wednesday, and the tone was somewhat urgent as employees expressed concern over layoffs and CEO Sandra uh, uh, Paichi, sorry if I'm saying his name wrong, um, asked employees for input according to attendees and related international documents viewed by CNBC. Google's productivity and company isn't where it needs to be, even with the headcount it has, uh, Paichi told employees in the meeting. Quote, I want to give you some additional contents following our earnings results and ask for your help as well. Paichi Open referred to the company's second quarter earnings report Tuesday. It's clear we are facing challenging macro environment with more uncertainty ahead. He added, there are some real concerns that our productivity as a whole is not where it needs to be for the headcount we have. He asked employees to help create a culture that is more mission focused and more focused on products, more customer focused. We should think about how we can minimize distractions and really raise the bar on both product excellence and productivity. It comes after the company on Tuesday reported its second consecutive quarter of weaker than expected earnings and revenue. Revenue growth slowed to 13% in the quarter from 62% a year earlier when the company was benefiting from the post-COVID pandemic reopening and consumer spending was on the rise. CFO Ruth Porat said she expected some challenges to continue in the near term, but the company doesn't give formal guidance. It also comes after Paichi had recently announced that it would slow the pace of hiring and investment through 2023, asking employees to work with greater urgency and more hunger than shown on sunnier days. Yeah, I think one reason why Google's finally not doing as hot as it has been in the past, I think it's the culture within Google. And, and, and like I said, this is just a theory right now, but I think it starts from the top. And to be fair, the CEO, in my opinion, for how good things are going for the company money-wise, I think things are finally catching up to them. I think they've been hiring the wrong the wrong people, in all honesty. I once heard a saying that said, if you wanted to know where to invest money in, you should see where all the engineers are going to get hired. I don't think people are running to Google as much anymore. I think people are running to Tesla a lot. I think that's one reason why Tesla is doing so well. But then again, the markets probably are just also by what wall street thinks at the end of the day but i think i think google in particular i just think they've just hired a bunch of 
not bad people for say, I just think they hired people that just care more about social justice things. And it's fine because Google can do what it wants at the end of the day, because it is a company, they can hire who they want. But I think when you get too politically involved as a company in a lot of stuff, I think that's going to affect your earnings, both bottom, top and bottom line. I mean, look at Disney, for instance. Disney got politically active in a lot of areas and Disney stock is now being affected. Netflix is another example too. Or maybe it's just that time of year where not as much investment is going into the companies at all. Could be that too, okay? It says here in the article, with some anxiety, in Wednesday, all hands meaning, executive addressed employees' concerns about potential layoffs. One of the top rated questions was, in light of Saunders' statement that sharpening Google's focus means consolidating where investment overlap and streamlining processes, should we expect layoffs? Paichi handed the question off to Google's chief people officer, Finoni, I don't even know how to say the last name, so I'm not going to bother, but says, while the, whilst the, while the company is still hiring and doesn't have plans for layoffs right now, she didn't rule it out. We're asking teams to be more focused and efficient, and we're working out what it means as a company as well. Even though we're, we can't be sure of the e- economy in the future, we are certainly looking to reduce Google's overall workforce. She also said, I really get that there's some anxiety around the, this based on what we're hearing from other companies that they're doing, and as Sonder mentioned, we are still hiring for critical roles. She asked employees to remember that this still is the biggest hiring year of the company's history. In the second quarter, Alphabet said its headcount rose 21% to 174,014 full-time employees from 144,056 from the year prior. However, the company said last month it will slow the pace of hiring and investment through 2023. And Pai Chi told employees in the memo, we're not immune to economic headwinds. I think Google's just finally facing some reality a little bit at the end of the day. Jeff Bezos once said it perfectly that he said that one day Amazon would fail, but when that day comes is yet to be determined. I just think Google is going to be kind of in their own world of failing. But at the end of the day, I think Google is going to have to also realize too that small businesses are kind of the backbone of their company. I mean, think about it. If I lived in the middle of nowhere and I wanted to, let's just say, get some furniture or something, right? I could probably go to Google and find some nearby furniture stores in my small town of less than 100,000 people. And that's what Google's for, a little bit. We're search engine stuff, right? Google needs to realize that the little businesses are probably what makes or breaks their company at the end of the day. I think Google's been too focused on the bigger side of things. I mean, there's only so many, like for instance, like Coca-Cola, there's only so many ads I can probably take from Coca-Cola when I search Coca-Cola, right? But at the end of the day, They need to realize that small businesses probably are the backbone of Google. And when small businesses are struggling, well, Google is probably going to struggle too. I don't know. We'll see with time, but it's still somewhat of an interesting thought to think about that Google is tied potentially with small businesses. I mean, Facebook's definitely tied to it as well. Facebook's not immune or I guess in this case, meta. But you know who is doing a little bit well though at the end of the day right now? Pinterest, at least today it is. Pinterest climbs on user on user numbers and Elliott investment even as financials disappoint from CNBC. It's an interesting read. Pinterest shares down, uh, correction, Pinterest shares jumped on better than expected user numbers even as earnings revenue missed estimates and the company gave weak guidance for the third quarter. Activist investment Elliott management confirmed separately that it's Pinterest top investor and said that it's conviction in the value creation opportunity at the company. Here's how the company did. Earnings were 11 cents adjusted per share versus 18 per share than expected, according to Refinitiv. 
Revenue was $666 million versus $667 million expected, according to Refinitiv. Pinterest said global monthly active users declined by 5% from a year earlier to $433 million, while the sort of drop-off is alarming for a social media app that relies on eyeballs to attract an advertiser. Analysis were expecting a steeper decline to $431 million. The company's financials were gloomy, following a trend in the social media market. Facebook parent Meta, Twitter, and Snap all reported second earnings that missed on top and bottom lines and all attribute a weak online advertising market to their bleak results. More troubling than the second quarter results was Pinterest's commentary about what expected this quarter. The company said it estimated third quarter revenue will grow mid-single digits on a year-over-year percentage basis, below analysis projections for sales growth of 12.7%. In a letter to investors, Pinterest said economic challenges are leading marketers to to reel in spending. The macroeconomic environment has created meaningful uncertainty for our advertiser partners. Pinterest said in a letter, the company said it saw lower than expected demand from U.S. big box retailers and mid-market advertisers who pulled back ad spending due to concerns about weakening consumer demand. Pinterest said in its third quarter guidance takes into account slightly greater foreign exchange headwinds than previous quarter. In June, Pinterest co-founder Ben Silberman stepped down and the company's CEO and was replaced by Bill Redley, previously the leader of Google's commerce unit. Pinterest hiring is ready, pointed into a deeper push in e-commerce and online retail. Last thing we'll read is Elliott's involvement in the company was reported in July by Wall Street Journal, which said at the time that the firm had built a stake over 9% in the company. After Pinterest results were released on Monday, Elliott confirmed its company's biggest shareholder and said it's pleased with Reddy's progress. Yeah, Pinterest, I think, is going to hit potentially. I mean, ad revenue is slowing a little bit across the board. But, I mean... I don't know how by how much just in general, I mean, Snap and Facebook are getting hit, but I mean, Pinterest is, Pinterest is kind of just Pinterest. It's just, I mean, I don't know how it fully works. I mean, I just know just from looking at the job market right now, if you're applying for social media jobs, a lot of companies are asking you to have Pinterest experience if you are applying to social media jobs. So companies are wanting to still advertise, it looks like. They might not be advertising as much. Their budgets might be getting cut back, but they still want to be able to advertise a little bit. So who knows how these social media companies are going to do during this quote unquote economic slowdown as they're calling it in Washington or how it's not a recession, but it's still going to be interesting to see how these things go forward with these companies. Now, another interesting read within the like the car dealership world is, Ford stock notches its best month since the Great Recession and keeps rising. According to CNBC, from Detroit, Ford Motor Stock on Monday added its best month since the Great Recession in 2009, signaling a significant swing for the Detroit automaker this year. Shares closed Monday at $15.34, up 4.4%. The gains added to the stock increased by 31.9% in July. It was the best, it was the best monthly percentage gain for Ford's shares since 127.4% April of 2009 when Ford was emerging from the Great Recession without going through bankruptcy like the crosstown rivals General Motors and then Chrysler. Ford stock's performance in July was driven by a steady stream of product-related announcements, including its it has secured battery supplies for its upcoming electric vehicles, as well as a 14.6% increase last week amid the company's reporting second quarter results that beat Wall Street's expectations. Ford last week also reiterated its previous guidance for the full year and said that it will increase its quarterly dividend to 15 cents per share. The amount is paid before the COVID-19 pandemic. Ford significantly outperformed GM, which was up 14.2% last month, as well as other U.S. listed automakers such as 
still a Stellantis, which was up 16.3%, Ferrari up 15.1%, and Toyota Motor up 5.5%. It failed to outperform others such as Rivian, which is up 33.3% last month, and Tesla up 32.4%. Ford stock remains off by about 26% in 2022 after being the top growth stock among U.S. listed automakers last year. You know, the CEO has been talking a lot like the Ford CEO in particular, he's been, there's been a lot of articles on CNBC and we've been trying to be able to talk a little bit about Ford on this podcast. But the problem is sometimes is life happens and we're not able to talk about it as much, but there was an article recently and I kind of wish I had pulled it up to be able to talk about it in today's podcast, but I didn't think about it at the time. It was talking about how he had plans to make the next electric car, like a really good one in the making. If I, if I remember the headline correctly, it seems like the CEO of Ford might know what he's doing right now. And if he does, this is going to be extremely interesting to watch going forward to see how Ford performs in these next couple of years in the making. I still think car dealerships are going to be struggling a lot. I mean, I know a lot of companies are going more electric in the end, but I just, it's just still interesting to see like, there's some companies when a CEO takes over, like the company stock does really, really well. Like for instance, the target CEO, Brian Cornell, I want to say it was, I think it was that target CEO, super smart guy. And he's done really, really well to help target stock grow. Maybe the Ford CEO is the new one in the making in the car industry. Keep an eye out that for that guys. Sometimes CEOs are the reason why company stocks do really well in the long term. So we're going to pay attention to that a little bit more. But last thing we're going to be talking about, and this is, I, I've been wanting to talk about this so much, is the coal industry. Okay. And I, and I had mentioned this in, I believe, a couple podcasts back. So if you want to listen to some past podcasts, guys, I'd highly recommend listening to some past podcasts. But I had mentioned saying I found it I found it really weird that like they were talking a lot about oil and gas and green energy and nuclear and all that stuff. But there was hardly anything about coal, especially when all these European countries are turning back to coal. Germany is one of them. Italy was one of them. And I think the Netherlands was the other one that we had read about. But finally, today, we can now talk about coal now in the energy sector. It says dirty old coal is making a comeback and consumption is expected to return to 2013 record levels. Coal prices are soaring and, and global coal consumption expected to return to record levels reached among 10 years ago as the global energy supply crunch continues. While investors in coal stocks are having a field day thanks to high coal prices, curbs on carbon emissions are taking a backseat as markets and governments scramble to stock up on traditional energy supply amid bottlenecks caused by the Ukraine war analysis say. Worse, slowing investment in new coal-powered energy facilities have tightened the supply of coal even further. Sean Partner Senior Analysis Peter O'Connor told CNBC Squawk Box Asia on Friday, quote, who would have thought that dirty old coal would have been the best performing equities in the last financial year? So far this financial year, this has been the best performing sector, O'Connor said. And looking at the year ahead through the northern winter with gas prices in Europe and gas supply availability, countries are turning back to coal. Quote, and supply of coal is tight. Why? Because nobody's building capacity and markets will remain tight even as weather and COVID. So the markets will stay higher for longer, probably well into the 2020-23 year. Price of thermal coal used for power generation has risen about 170% since last year, rising sharply after the Ukraine war started. In contrast, the other majority trade coal, the steelmaker in 
ingredient cooking coal is trading lower, driven by different dynamics. Muted economic growth in China is cooling steel production and by extension demand for cooking coal. The International Energy Agency released a fresh report on Wednesday warning that global coal consumption is set to rise by 0.7% in 2022 to match its record set in 2013, assuming the Chinese economy recovers as expected in the second half of the year. Quote, the global total would match the annual record set in 2013, as coal demand is likely to increase further next year to a new all-time high, the IEA coal market update said. Quote, that's a sharp rise contributed significant to the largest ever annual increase in global energy-related CO2 emissions in absolute terms, putting them at their highest level in history, the IEA said. Worldwide coal consumption has already rebounded by about 6% in 2021 when the global economy recovered from the initial shock of COVID pandemic, the IEA said. At the heart of the continuing surge of demand for coal and the shortage of gas as European Union moves to reduce its use of Russian gas, stopping short of gas ban, well, Russia is responds by cutting supply to the continent. Coal consumption in the EU is therefore expected to rise by 7% in 2022 on top of last year's 14% jump, the IEA says. This is being driven by demand from the electricity sector, where coal is increasingly being used to replace gas, which is in short supply and has experienced huge price spikes following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Several EU countries are expanding the life of coal plants scheduled for closure, reopening closed plants, or raising caps on their operating hours to reduce gas consumption. At the same time, boycotts of Russian coal add further upward pressure on coal prices, the agency said. Okay. And last thing we'll read before we close our thoughts today on this, it says here, Europe's worst fear materialized this week after Russia cut flows to the Nord Stream pipeline to 20% of capacity. Gas inventories may not reach reach levels high enough to get through the winter. NZ Research Commodity Analysis, Daniel Hines and Sony Kumar said in the note Friday. Yeah, let's read that last section up again at the beginning. That This is, this is just the most fascinating thing that they had mentioned in this article. And it, it must be making people squirm a bit within, I don't know, these green save the earth people. Where is that quote again? While investors in coal stocks are having a field day thanks to high coal prices, curbs on carbon emissions are take curbs on carbon emissions are taking a backseat as markets and governments scramble to stock up on traditional energy supplies amid bottlenecks caused by the Ukraine war. You know, it's funny. We've been making a push so long into this green energy that now we're having to turn to coal and we're turning to gas even more. I also wondered this too, and this is kind of a thought I'm currently having. As long as Russia and Ukraine are fighting, green energy companies, they're in trouble. They might be, okay? Because think about it. You have winter coming up. It's been a pretty hot summer a little bit across the world as well. People want to live in comfort and style. That also means potentially emitting more CO2 into the air. Which means a lot of these green energy technologies are going to be taking a backseat. Because eventually people are not going to want to be able... Like, think about it. In Germany right now, we had just reported on this podcast that they're cutting off hot water in certain spots. And then they're turning off electricity in buildings across Germany at times. How much longer until people finally realize that it might just not be worth it for to have green energy and it's more important to be able to have comfort and luxury? Or how much longer too until there's a company that comes out that's able to like, I guess, 
take the CO2 from coal plants and be able to turn it into green energy, clean energy. It's hard to tell. I'm just glad that CNBC is finally talking about the coal issue because I've been wondering about this for so long. But I also wonder if this becomes a wake-up call for society. And when politicians in the future come go and say, we have to protect the earth, well, maybe people will stop listening. And maybe people will finally just vote with their wallets, both on Wall Street and obviously at the voting booth as well. I think people are going to want to live in comfort. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I lived in a snowy place right now and I was being told that I could potentially lose my hot water and I have to save on gas because there's going to be a gas shortage in the making, you bet almost I could be writing to my local politician and telling them you either get more gas or you find other energy sources to cons- for us to consume so we can live our lifestyle the way we want. Governments are having to make decisions. And past policy is biting some of these governments in the butt now. So it's just interesting to watch. But coal's on the rise, guys. I expect coal to keep rising, to be honest. And same with gas prices. Well, just gas in general. I mean, if Exxon Chevron reported earnings, and they virtually just crushed it across the board. So much longer till more coal starts crushing it across the board. Time will tell. That being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that you, if you had, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription can help grow this podcast. And it also helps you be able to know when I'm posting podcasts because sometimes the apps on your phone will just download the podcast immediately as soon as it's available. Please also share this with friends or family as they might be able to enjoy this podcast as well. And it's also good just to get the word out there of what's happening in the market since not everything's always going to be talked about. I mean, there are things that are being talked about, but I mean, for instance, this coal article came out about a couple hours ago before we started this podcast after the markets have been shut down. And it's still interesting to be able to talk about these things because no one's talking about it at times. So that being said, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please like and subscribe and share with friends or family. Thank you for listening today, guys. Actually, correction. Thank you for listening to today, fellow podcast listeners. Thank you and goodbye.